Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray this message helps you connect to God as you find your place, reveal your purpose, and unlock your potential. Let's head live to Pastor Chris for today's powerful message. Praise the Lord. How many are excited about grace, man? Isn't this a great place to be? Man, praise God. This message has been changing our life. And I just want to talk to you and just really, really get this over to you today. I can't even begin to count the times that I felt pressed and kind of like in life and stuck in a hard place. And I didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Have you been there? You know, but in moments of those moments like that, I've learned this uh, through the promises of God what to do. Have you ever felt like pressed, perplexed, don't know what to do, don't know where to get an answer? No, you got to take a step, but don't know the step to take. No, you got to make a decision, but you don't know the right decision to make. Um, maybe, you know, it's been, maybe it's your life or someone around you or advice. You ever, you ever had somebody come to you with something and you got to try to help them? Like, I've had people come to me and they're like, I'm, you know, I have, I'm battling addiction. What do you, what do you tell people? How, how do I, how do I navigate this? Have you ever been stumped? You know, your kids come to you with stuff, and you're like, oh, my God, now i got to have a Ph.D. in, you know, childhood behavior. I'm not qualified for any of this stuff. Are you, can I get an amen? You know what I mean? Have you, ever, have you ever had, like, married stuff? You're like, oh, my God in heaven, right? Like, how do you do this? Or how do you make it? Or how do you work it out relationship? Or you got a career change, right? You're like, oh, my God, where am I going? How, how do I figure out life? I've been, I've been pressed. I've been perplexed. You been there? I've been... I've been at midnight, don't know what to do, what am I going to do? Well, I've learned something over time that in times like this, I and you have to learn how to lean on God. And we use this terminology in church, and it's kind of funny, right? Just trust God. Oh, well, zippity-doo-dah-day, how do I do that? You know what I mean? Well, you know, lean on the Lord. What the heaven does that mean, lean on the Lord? Well, like, lean back, you fall over, bang your head, you know? It's like, what? You, you ever see the terminology at church? You ever go to somebody with a real big thing and, like, I'm praying for you. You're like, what good is that going to do me right now? You're praying for me, man. I need help right now. I need change right now. I need, I need hope right now. I need something right now. And don't over-spiritualize your, your, your situation and think, like, well, I've got it all together. Look, I... I we don't have it all together. Let's just be straight about it and know that we got to learn how to trust God at another level sometimes. And I think what happens is if we don't know how, we carry stuff that God never intended us to carry for longer periods of time that are necessary. Because I don't know about you, what do you do when a problem shows up? I try to fix it. Don't you? I tried to problem solve it. Have you ever done this? Have you ever tried to problem solve it so long that God's like, uh, hey, you want to give me that? You ever had the Lord kind of come in? I don't know. God, God and me got a real great relationship. He's like, are you done with that? God has done, done me like this. Are you done with that yet? And I'm like, no, I'm still working it out. Why don't you just chill out, God? I can handle it. And God's like, well, let me know when you're done, and then I can fix it. But right up until now, you ain't going to be able to do nothing with this because it's not by your might nor your power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. 
So how do I find these things? And what does grace do? And today I want to talk to you. What's mercy? What's grace? What's going on? How does this work? And here's the number one thing you got to realize. Put that up there, point number one. I know my note takers and picture takers are going, we must go to the throne of grace. Well, what in the heaven is the throne of grace? What is this thing? You know, everybody's going to tell me, well, uh, it, it's where, you know, it's, it's, it's a throne where grace is at. No, thank you very much. But what does that mean that we know that grace is now an empowerment factor? We know that grace is giving me ability. But what does he say? Look what it says here in Hebrews 4.14, and I want you to look at some of these key parts. Seeing then, and this is a, this is a big word today. Seeing then, we have a great high priest. I want you to hold on to that. Because a high priest is an important terminology that we got to know what that means, okay? So high priest is this, okay? And let me just show you. High priest means that Jesus is a mediator between man and God. Does everybody got that? So this high priest is this. Jesus, our high priest, is a mediator between man and God. Why do we need a mediator? Because guess what? He was the bridge gap what? He gapped the bridge between you, me, and God because of his crucifixion on the cross. He got us back to Christ. But how I many know this is the present day ministry of Jesus? He is ever living to make intercession for me and you. That means he's always constantly praying on our behalf, always there for us, so we understand where his spot is. The present day ministry. When he was here, walking on the earth, Jesus, he went to the cross. That was his earthly ministry. What is his present day ministry right now, August, whatever today is, 27, I think, or whatever day, 2023, 2024, 27, where's he going to be? He's your mediator. Until we go to heaven, this is his job. Does that make sense? So here's the deal. He says, run to the throne of grace. Okay. Why? Seeing we have a great high priest that passed into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, hold fast your profession. Now, I've told you this before. Profession is confession. You understand that? Translated over Strong's Concordance, it is your profession is your confession. So you have to hold fast on the saying the same thing that God says in every situation. Now, why do you think you've got to hold fast? Because it's not going to be easy to hang on to it. He's telling us before we even start, saying the same thing as what God says is going to take some effort. Everybody here? So that means what? This isn't going to just be easy. You're going to have to say what God says even when you don't see what God said. So hold fast. That means hang on. Don't let go. You got to hang on even when you don't see it. Look at the next verse. It's going to put, for we have not a high priest, there's that word again. So we could say, we don't have, we could say, we have not a mediator which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, right? But as was at all points tempted as like we, without sin. What does that mean? The human side of Jesus, right, went through everything that you're going through and has gone through, and he knows exactly where you're at. Now let me explain that because this is big. Because sometimes we see, Without sin. No, now I want you to understand something here. He was without sin, but he knows exactly what sin feels like because he took it on him on the cross. So when you say, I don't feel good, 
or I'm sick, who knows? Nobody knows. You ever not feel good? I don't want you to raise your hand. But you ever not feel good and nobody can understand what you're going through and you try to explain it and people look at you like you got marbles in your head? Jesus understands because he took it on him. You ever go through some, maybe a, a spot in your thinking or your mental place and you know your thoughts ain't right and you, you know, you don't, you almost seem, you don't even want to tell people what you're mentally going through because it seems almost absurd to a normal person and you say, nobody understands me. Jesus understands because he took every thought on him on the cross. You ever go through uh, marital problems and you're like, you go to tell somebody or so, try to tell somebody what's going on and they're looking at you like nobody can help you, you can't get relief, you can't find hope, you can't find help, you can't find nothing. Well, guess what? He knows what you went through. Look what it says. He understands what you're feeling. Just pop that up there. He understands what you're feeling and he knows what? That he can answer you because he's the only one who knows. And this is what we do. So why would we not be running to this throne of grace and hell ask for help in the time of need. I don't know. Maybe we don't know how good the helper is that's waiting for you. And we think all these wrong thoughts. He said, come to me, and I'll help you. Look at the next verse. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So what's waiting on that throne of grace? Mercy and grace. How many need some mercy? How many need some grace? Now listen, I'm going to explain to you because I think this is important. First thing I want you to know is that this high priest, Jesus, has a specific position to fulfill in your life. Just write that down. It's point number two. Jesus, my high priest, helps me understand this. And I want you to look at Hebrews 2.16. We'll start with 17. That's fine. Hebrews 2.17 is great. You don't have to see that part. But wherefore in all things it behooved him. I want you to see this. Because if you don't understand that we have this great mediator waiting for you, you're probably not going to come running boldly to the throne of grace. Two reasons why. You want to know what's waiting for you at that throne? Mercy and grace. Now here's the big thing. People don't know the difference between mercy and grace and because of it the church confuses it. Mercy Covers, let me explain to you. Mercy covers you, cleanses you, gives you what you don't deserve. Mercy, just like, man, when we mess it up, mercy steps in and pardons you and cleanses you and gets you stuff you do not deserve. Grace is not the same. Grace is power to live a new life, power to transform, power to do, power to be like Jesus. We told you in James 6, and for all the note takers, in the Amplified Translation, it says, it is grace, the power of the Holy Spirit, allowing you and me to live a life we could not live by ourselves. And we coined the phrase in this church, what we're going to call grace. Grace is the power of the Holy Spirit in me, allowing me and you to live like Jesus in the earth. And that is the truth. That is not weakness. That is strength. And you got to see this thing because a lot of times what the church does is this, and this is why the grace thing gets a bad rap, and I understand it, and I don't, I'm not downing it. I'm for it. It, it is not mercy because everybody says, well, you know, I'm just, you know, it's the grace of God, and we keep living like a ding-dong. No, grace does not allow you to keep living like a ding-dong. Grace empowers you to stop living like a ding-dong. Give me an Amen. That's what grace is. Grace is an empowerment. Now, mercy, mercy is the same thing that what? Just keeps washing you when you keep making mistakes. 
There's nothing wrong with that. We all need mercy. But how many know we got to grow beyond mercy? Come on, guys. We got to grow beyond making the same habitual mistakes over and over and over. God is long suffering. God is good. But guess what? God wants us to wake up to grace and tap into power. That's what he was telling. That's what he was telling Paul when he said, My grace is sufficient. I'm going to make you bigger and stronger, and you can be able to do and accomplish more than you think you could do on your own. Look what it says right here in Hebrews. Where, what? Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to the reconciliations of the sins of his people. What kind of high priest is he? He's merciful and he's faithful. You got to understand the character of your heavenly father. He's merciful and he's faithful even when you're not merciful and even when you're not faithful. He doesn't change his character of who he is because you and I do not perform the way he said to perform. What I mean by performance is this. We might not be living it at the level where we need to be living it. That doesn't change who God is. He doesn't stop being merciful, and he doesn't stop being faithful even when you and I stop being faithful to the cause. you got to remember that. That's what, Well, why? Because why are you going to run to a throne with a God who you think is mean? Why would you run to a throne of grace with a God that you thought was judging you? Why would you come running to a God that you didn't really understand his character and you didn't know he wanted to help you and you think like, man, I messed this thing up so obviously God's not, no, God doesn't care what you messed up. He'll fix what you messed up but here's the key. You still got to get to his presence. You guys are carrying way too many loads that you don't need to be carrying. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden's light. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of you, you can use some rest? You can use some rest from what you've been carrying in your mind. You can use some rest from what you've been carrying on your shoulders. You can use some rest from what you've been carrying in your heart. Now listen to this. What is this all about? Oh, this is so good. Can you look at 17? Can we just look at 17 and 18? Because this, this, this high priest thing will really help you, I think. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him, right? That he would make reconciliation for the people's sins. Look at verse 18. For in that he himself had suffered, he is basically able to what? Secure them that are what? Tempted. What does that mean? That means this, that he is able to what? He's able to help you and give you strength and what? Be there compassionately towards you. Listen to this. We who basically have thrown ourselves on the mercy of God and accepted the free gift of God in Christ Jesus, crucified for us, now have been washed clean by his blood, and we used to be like filthy rags, but we replaced those filthy rags with a robe of righteousness because we have a high priest who is making intercession before the Father for us. Now we come boldly, we come freely, we come openly, we come with fearless confidence, we come with cheerful courage, we come with assurance before the throne of grace to ask for help in our time of need. That's what I want you to see. Are you coming in the time of need or are you waiting too long? Come on, man. Listen to this. Jesus removed the fear. Jesus removed the shame from us all. And what? He's made an open, night, open invitation for us to come to our presence of our Father. But how long is it taking you to come? I know it's quiet because you're thinking, and it's okay. You should be thinking. Like, yeah, you know what? In my time of need, instead of me 
going and running to this throne of grace, I start freaking out. In my time of need, instead of me maybe running to the throne of grace, I start worrying about it. In my time of need, instead of maybe me, you know, thinking, well, you know what, I'm over here carrying it. In my time of need. He said, come in your time of need and ask me for help. How long are you carrying things you should have asked help for three days ago? Y'all looking at me with that face. You're not going to move me. I know what you do. I do the same thing. I try to figure it out. God's like, no, stop trying to figure it out and figure me in. Put me in this thing and let me get in there and let me do what I can do. Come on, somebody. And you come to this throne of grace in your time of need. And let me tell you when the time of need might be. Might be in the middle of walking through Publix. And it's the time of need, glory to God. You might have to go down aisle three or something down there and just like, praise God, thank you that you're helping me out. Come on, somebody. Your time of need might show up at midnight. Come on, you got it right then and there. Thank you, Father, that I'm leaning on your grace. I need you to equip me. I need you to strengthen me. I can't face this battle on my own. I need your ability in me, helping me, giving me the strength to overcome it. And just like the Apostle Paul said, my grace is sufficient. I need your grace to be sufficient for me. Make me stronger than what I'm facing. But guess what? You got to ask. Here's the problem with the church. And I'm not picking on you guys. I love you. Well, did you ask God? No. Did you ask God? No, I didn't ask God. Well, how's God going to help you? You don't ask him. Look, I'm not picking on you, but ask yourself the question. If you don't ask God, okay, let me ask this. Let's do a spiritual test. If you don't ask God for help, you think he's just going to come in there and start helping? No. He told you, you have not because you asked not. You got to ask. You got to start doing a whole lot that, well, God is mean. No, God ain't mean. God lives by laws, and the laws he lives by is words. And without words, God does not, listen to me, I don't care what you learned in church, I'm going to unteach you and train you right, not in a mean way, please hear me. Without words, God has no access in the earth. So if you don't give God your words, he has no access. You understand me? That's the truth. Well, he can do what he wants to do. No, he can't. He's bound by words. And if you don't give him words, he cannot intervene in your life. Because that would make him illegal in the moment, and he has to have words as currency to move in your life. So if you don't see God moving and you didn't ask, that's on you. That ain't on God. Amen, Pastor Chris. You're preaching a whole lot better than all these people amen to me. Thank God I don't need your shouts to preach today. Why? Because you don't want to hear it. Because let me tell you what the church wants to hear. They want to hear another sermon about how everything's going to turn around. Woo! Just got to turn around. Ain't nothing going to turn around till your mouth turns around. Nothing going to turn around till your thinking starts turning around. Ain't nothing. Woo! It's going to. Woo! Woo! It's going to happen. Pixie dust from heaven is going to come down, and Jesus is going to do it. No, nah, it ain't. Ain't nothing going to happen. Till you fix your mouth, and you fix your faith, and you say, God, come on in. Because he can't. But the minute you give him access with words, things start changing. What were you supposed to hold fast to, by the way? Your confession. I wonder why he told you to hold fast to your confession when he's talking about coming to a throne of grace. Maybe he needs your words to line up with his words to get that grace to kick in. Just saying, maybe that's what he's trying to teach us here. You better believe that's what he's teaching. Why are you bringing up words when you talk about grace? Because he knows without your words, grace can't kick in. 
and you think you got to fight, start saying something. Start saying something that looks like the Bible and tell me if you don't got to fight on your hands with your mouth. Come on. You know what I'm saying, the truth right there, right? So here's the big thing, right? What's the difference between mercy and grace? You ever ask yourself that? Here's the difference. Mercy is kindness or basically goodwill toward the guilty and the afflicted, okay? And it has a desire to want to help. Does that make sense? Do you understand that? Did you get what I'm saying? I'll say it again. There's a difference. Mercy is kindness. It's goodwill. Everybody say kindness. Goodwill towards the guilty. You got that in your spirit? And here's another thing. It also is joined with the desire to help. That's what mercy does. It says, I want to help you. I want to give you a hand up. Okay? Grace is basically the power of the Holy Spirit side, but we understand this. It is generous favor. It's a benefit. It's a gift. So grace and mercy can basically be defined like this. Just I'll go real slow. Grace is this. When God gives you what you don't deserve. Okay? That's what grace is. God gives you what you don't deserve. Okay? Mercy is this. When God doesn't give you what you do deserve. I'm going to say it again. It sounds real familiar. Okay? So this is mercy. Sounds similar, I should say. Right? Check this out. What is mercy? When God doesn't give me what I deserve. I'm a total bonehead, and I deserve to basically get hammered because I messed up, God goes, let me give you mercy. You ever been there? You got to get a smile on your face about this one, man. You ever been there? You know, man, I had people come tell me stories and the mercy of God is so, oh my God. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Like I had the one cat, I was talking to one day and the guy goes, yeah, man. I said, oh my God. Like, you got away with that? And they're like, yeah. I was like, whoa, God is merciful. You ever been around somebody like that? Some of you are them. You know what I mean? Like, I got the one guy, and I'm not kidding. He went like this to me. He goes, I should not be here. I said, well, where should you be? He said, I should be in the penitentiary. I said, what you mean you should be in the penitentiary? Now, don't knock it. Some of you have been there. It's okay. I told them in the morning service, everybody had been to penitentiary, join the security team. I need you. Right? So, look. Right? I was there. <laughs> They think I'm kidding, right? And I was like, what, what do you mean? And they told me their story. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, it was crazy. Like, crazy story. And I was like, I don't want to tell too much because, like, I, you know, people might. But I'm just talking about, yeah, you should. Like, right there I go, yes, you should. And guess what? They're not. That's mercy. You don't get what you deserve. Okay? Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I don't deserve to get set free from this. I don't deserve. God gave it to you anyway. So mercy and grace work together. I'm going to show it to you in a little bit. But here's the thing. We got to come to the Father to obtain both. Now, let me tell you what the problem is here. Okay? This is big. Obtain means that we can have it immediately, and we have it now. Okay? Now, here's the kicker. Okay? It means to get a hold of. What does it mean to obtain? Get a hold of, to seize it, to take it, to receive what is offered. To claim for yourself. Doesn't this sound good? Obtain. Obtain mercy, obtain grace, right? So this is the definition of obtain. Is everybody cool with this? It means to what? Get a hold of, to seize it, to take it, to take possession of it, to collect, to gather, not to refuse or reject. Big one, big one. Everybody look at your neighbor. 
Say this, not to refuse, not to reject. Did you get that? Say it again. Look at your other neighbor saying, not to refuse or reject. Got it? To choose, to select, to experience, to gain, to have, to catch. Do we got it? Okay, then what's the problem with it? Why, do we, why are we not quick to receive mercy and receive grace? Because we got a problem, and this is one of the major problems. There's two major resistances here, and one of them is this, self-condemnation. Because even though God said you can have it, you disqualify yourself because of self-condemnation, and you say, I did this, so that means I don't deserve that, and because I did it, I cannot receive what God said about it. So that's not God's problem, that's our problem. And you have to overcome self-condemnation because self-condemnation will keep you deprived of everything God wants you to have even though God said you can already have it. And that's the God's honest truth. That's guilt and shame coming in and robbing you of mercy. I'm just telling you, man. Now listen, I'm not sitting here saying you're proud of stuff or I'm not trying to re- re- kind of like, you know, condemn you. You know what I mean? I, you're doing a good job on your own. You don't need no help, right? I'm being honest, man. If God said you're forgiven, you're forgiven. I don't know why some of you keep bringing up stuff, and some of you, I'm going to help you right here and now because I feel this in the spirit of God. Some of you keep bringing up the stupidest stuff that you should have let go of 20 years ago, but you keep playing this thing in your head to the point it's such a reality today for you. What happened to you 20 years ago? Now listen, I'm not talking about some of that evil stuff. Please understand me. That stuff you you just got to try to bury, but you know what I'm saying. Some stuff, man, you can't keep beating yourself up over and over or beating people up. Look, life is life. You can't live 20 years ago. You can't do nothing about 10 minutes ago. What are you going to do about 20 years ago? Stop it. Take the mercy that God wants to give you. If he didn't want to give it to you, he wouldn't have gave it. And some of you are professional mercy takers. Praise be to God. You know what I mean? I'm quick to take mercy. Ask Pastor Liz. She'll tell you. One time, you know, we got into it. You know, what else is new, right? Everybody's married. You know, we got into it a little bit. And I, and I, and I went in there. I said, well, I'm sorry. And I walked away, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then she wanted to talk about it. I said, you know, God forgave me about it. You should try that. It would be good for you. How many of you know that went over big? I said, yeah. I said, God forgave me a long time ago. Why don't you start practicing some of that? That would be good because as far as I'm concerned, God forgave me. What do I care what you think? Praise the Lord. Amen. How many know that was good? That was a good idea. It was cute. rest of the afternoon I spent by myself, but it was nice. You know, I was like, I was okay with it because I was like, well, God forgave me. You should too. Praise the Lord. Ain't that a good idea? How many of you are real good at receiving mercy? I am. I'm a, I'm a ma- if any of you are having a problem with receiving mercy, come see me. I'll train you all day long. I just take it. Yeah, God, praise the blood. Hallelujah. Can we in? Just get in trouble. Uh, you know, I, I got no problem with receiving forgiveness. Amen? And you want to know why that's easy? You're not going to like this. You want to know why it's easy for me to receive forgiveness? Because I'm quick to give it. Some of you got a problem with forgiving people. That's why you can't receive it. That's a billion-dollar nugget. I hope you got it. Why is it quick for you to receive it, Pastor Chris? Because I, before you did it, I already forgave you. So I'm not offended by your mistakes, so therefore I will not take it when it comes to me because I'm quick to give it away. Why would I not be quick to what, receive it? See, there's the problem with people. Don't get mad at me. I'm preaching real good. You should amen me. So that's your problem. Well, I forgave them. No, you didn't. That's why it's hard for you to receive it. Be a sower of what you want to receive, 
Now, let me explain something. You've got to be real careful here, and I want you to understand. I understand. Some of the things that people go through are evil. I've already told you this. And I'm not asking you. I know some of this is hard for some of you, and I'm not saying this quick. Some things are evil, but some little things you should just get rid of. The big things might take a little bit more of conscious thought, but it's okay. God will give you the same grace for that place and mercy for the big stuff, okay? But you know what I'm saying. If you want to receive it, you got to be a giver of it. It makes it easier for you to receive it, okay? Now, let's just look at this mercy and grace stuff because I think it's big. So I got to overcome self-condemnation. It's keeping you from receiving God's mercy. However, when you condemn yourself for all the bad things you've done and the devil points them out to you, you start getting in agreement with the devil instead of being in agreement with God. I'm going to say it again. I know it's flying over your head because you're thinking, but I want you to think, okay? You can hear it. However, what happens is what? The devil starts telling you, well, you did blah, 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 blah. Instead of you what? leaning in with God, you're leaning in with the enemy saying. Stop it. God didn't want to give you mercy when he gave it to you. Don't sign it. And here's the next one. This one's big too. Your feelings will stop you from receiving God's mercy. I don't feel it. Well, who cares what you feel? You know what I mean? What you feel ain't the facts. What the facts are the truth. Have you ever asked God for mercy and then you come out of it and you don't feel like you got it and then next thing you know, you kind of walk away going, I don't feel nothing. I guess it didn't work. That's not walking by faith. That's walking by feel. One of the greatest stories in the Bible of that was Peter. Remember Peter? I just gave him the one verse. The one verse, if you got it, I think it was 21 or whatever. If you got that one, just pop that one up there. I don't need the whole story for time's sake. But in, in, in John 21, 15, Remember this? He said, he said, he said, feed my sheep. In verse 17, I think we used, wasn't that the one we used? Yeah, that's the one. He said in him a third time, Simon Jarjona, he said, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him three times. He said three times. He said he got grieved. He said, why do you keep asking me if I love you? Why do you keep asking me if you love me, if I love you? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. God knew he loved him. He just wanted Peter to say it. Why? Because he wanted Peter to get out of the guilt and condemnation that he was feeling. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Let's just read the whole thing. You see, Billy, you see it. It's right here, right? He said it to him a third time. He said, Simon. He said, yeah. He goes, you love me? Peter said, yeah. This is after he denounced him. This is after he walked away. This is after he cussed him out. The rooster's crowing. He's like, come on. Guys, look, straight up. If this was me, you think I'd be asking you if you love me? You just betrayed me. I think, like, what the heck's the matter with you, stupid? Why'd you betray me, right? That's not God. That's not how God responds. God doesn't respond like people. You know that's what you'd be saying. What's the matter with you, you knucklehead? Didn't I tell you? No, he goes, do you love me? Do you love me? It doesn't make any sense. Aren't you going to get mad at me? Aren't you going to yell at me? Aren't you going to rebuke me? Aren't you going to tell me you're disappointed in me? Aren't you going to tell me, Jesus, I'm talking about. Jesus, aren't you going to tell me you don't like me? Aren't you going to tell me you're mad? Aren't you going to? No, you know what I want to know? Do you love me? God does not respond like a man. He's not. He goes, do you love me? He goes, yeah, I love you. He goes, do you love me? He gets a little aggravated with telling him. He even says after three times, he goes, you know I love you. But this is the part I like. Check this out. He said unto him, Lord, you know all things. You know I, you know, you know. Listen to this, guys, watch. Even standing right there all the while, Jesus knew he was loved by Peter, but he wanted Peter to say it anyway for Peter's sake, not his. Because if you could say out of your mouth, I can lift the guilt and the shame and the pain off of you if you say what I already said. It'll change you, Peter, not me. 
This is why your words are important when it comes to this stuff. This is why saying what God says is important. And this is why what? Speaking is important for you. Because a lot of times when you're talking, sometimes you're healing yourself. Because you're saying what God said. He said, yeah. But can you imagine how he felt afterwards when he knew he was accepted? He knew everything was okay. He knew he was in right standing again. How many of you know that's mercy? How many of you know that's grace? That's the power of God at work. I got a great story in here I want to show you. But before we get there, I just want you to see this. I think this is so important. You got to find grace. And you got to find mercy in your time of need. Don't wait. Stop carrying guilt and shame and all this stuff. Go to obtain mercy. Stop carrying, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. I can't. Two things we do. Get rid of the guilt. Get rid of the shame. Get rid of the pain. Get rid of the remorse. Get rid of it under mercy's umbrella today. And another thing is this. I don't know what to do. I don't know how. Look, none of us know what to do. None of us know how to get it done. We need God's help. Go there and get some grace and the time and need to give you strength and give you ability to be an overcomer and be a supernatural success even in life when I don't feel like I can, he'll make it. Well, I can't. Okay, think of this, right? Thanks for the hand claps. I need, I need them today, right? Look, what I do, watch. Just speak, I'm, being, I'm speaking to you. Right now, I'm talking to you. Do you have the ability to do it? Think about it. Yes, but not in your natural. How are you going to walk these next couple months out? Not without God. See it? Are you here? How are you going to do what God's called you to do? Can't do it without God. How are you going to face what you're going to face, some of you? Got to have God. How are you going to be the mom that you got to be with all this? Got to have God. How are you going to be the grandparents you got to be? Got to have God. How are you going to answer? They come to me with questions. I don't have answers. You think I got the answers for some of your questions? I got to go in the Rolodex and go, God, you got to help me here. Right? So everything you do in life, you need help. And, this, and don't act, you don't got to be some, you know, Whatever, I don't know, miraculous Christian. Just go, God, help me. God, this is bugging me. I'm mine. You know, sometimes we're so embarrassed to go to God with whatever we're mind dealing with. Because some of the stuff we mind deal with is really crazy. Have you ever had something in your mind that's so crazy you don't even want to repeat it to other people because they're going to think you're crazy? Can I get an amen? You ever been there? Thing in my head right now, if it came at one time I was playing around with my uncle, he was funny. He goes like this, and it was it was really wrong what he said, but it was so funny, it made me laugh. He goes, If you smack me in the head with a baseball bat right now and you seen what was in my mind, I'd be in trouble. I said, Praise be to God, we've all been there. Want me to say it again real slow? He said, If you took a baseball bat, smack me in the head, and you could see what was in my mind, I'd be in trouble right now. I said, We all been there. You ever been there? You know what I'm saying? It's a crazy way to say it, but it was funny when he said it. I laughed so hard. I said, man, imagine that if you could see. Imagine if, like, you ever will see cartoons? Remember we used back in the day, we used to have the cartoons in the paper, and there used to be that little caption over your head? Now we got that little emoji thing, and in the box was the thought you had. You ever been there? Can you imagine if we had those going on? Oh, my God, how embarrassed would we be? Right? Some of you girls would be in so much trouble, like, what in the heaven is she wearing? Bing. That'd be your caption, not mine. Just kidding. Come on, right? Come on, you know what I'm saying? Come on, play around a little bit with it, right? Thank God nobody could see our thoughts. Come on, right? But God knows them. Why don't you give them to God? Here it is. I'm going to give you the best story yet. We're done. Look at this, John 8. You got to see this. This story right here is the epitome of mercy and grace, the best way I could find it for you guys, and I love it. Jesus walked up to the Mount of Olives near the city where he spent the night. 
He sat at dawn, was there, and Jesus appeared in the temple courts again. And soon all the people gathered around to listen to his words. And he sat down and he taught them. In the middle of his teaching, religious scholars and Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery. And they made her stand there in the middle of everyone. Theological scholars say they caught her in the act of literally committing adultery and they dragged her naked into a square and brought her before the people. How embarrassing, how humiliating. How, the, number one, the shameful act that she's walking through is probably destroying her life. And then these crazy people try to call her out on it and they bring her before the square and they publicly humiliate her and it's as embarrassing as, as, as it could possibly be. And they came and they brought her in the middle of this and they leave him there and then they come to Jesus and look what they say to Jesus. They said, hey, Jesus, teacher, we caught her in the very act of adultery, which is sick in its own right. Doesn't Moses' law command you to stone this woman to death like this? Tell us, what do you say we should do to her? Picture it in your head. It's true. She is. Why would somebody attack someone like that, number one? People are evil. I got news for you. And some of the people you're playing with don't play nice. Want to call you out about all your stuff, tell you everything that's wrong with you. People are vicious. Jesus said this, look. They're testing him. They wanted to trap him. They wanted to accuse him of breaking the law. Jesus didn't answer them and said, he bends down. And he starts writing in the sand with his hand. Can you imagine this? What are you going to do? We caught her in the very act of adultery. There she is, naked, adulteress. What are you going to do, Jesus? And the crowd's probably going crazy, and she's probably crying, and God knows what's going on. And Jesus goes, playing in the sand. Look at this. Seven. Angry. What are you going to do? He ain't answering. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with her? He stands up and he says, um, let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone. And he goes back to writing in the sand. Upon hearing that, her accuser slowly left the crowd one at a time. Beginning with the eldest to the youngest with a convicted conscience. Until finally Jesus was left. Now here's the thing. The only one who could have called her out was the one standing right before her. The sinless one. Standing in front of her and he said, so he stood back up 
and said to her, Dear woman, where are your accusers? There's no one here to condemn you. Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. And Jesus said this, Then I certainly do. What? I don't condemn you. Either. Go. And from now on, be free from a life of sin. There it is right there. Did she, was she there? Yeah. Did, she, well, did this act happen? Yeah. But mercy showed up first and said, you're forgiven. But watch the last part. He said, here's where grace kicks in. You go and you don't sin no more. Because I've given you the power to live beyond sin. God's got no problem with giving you mercy. But he doesn't expect you to live on mercy all your life. Take it when you need it and live by grace to empower a life of victory so you don't have to be bound by sin no more. And in the midst of giving her mercy, and I got news for you, you can't let anybody really live the life of sin-free life without giving them mercy first. Jesus has got no problem giving you mercy and then giving you grace to empower your life so you could win each and every day. That's the difference. You see it? You're forgiven, but go sin no more. You can do this thing, but you got to start running to this throne of grace in your time of need to find help. Come on, let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these guys. I thank you that they're living a brand new life of grace. I thank you that they're living a brand new life of mercy. And I thank you from this moment forward, they are never, ever again, never again, going to have to be trapped by the pain of the past, the problems of the past, the things trying to hold them back. And you are going to give them not just mercy to set them free you're going to give them the grace to live free forever in jesus mighty name we pray and everybody said amen amen and if you could just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a minute because maybe you came in this place today and maybe you hear pastor chris talking about the mercy and the grace of god and maybe you need that mercy in your own life maybe you need that grace in your own life maybe you're in here today and you've never asked jesus to come into your heart and to come into your life Maybe you say, I'm ashamed of some of the things I've done, but just as we saw in that story, he's not ashamed of you. He wants you to come and have a relationship with him. So whether you've prayed that prayer before or you've never prayed, you've never asked him to come into your heart, everyone's got their heads bowed. Nobody's looking around right now. This is a moment just between you and God. If you say that's me today, and I want to ask Jesus into my life, I want to live a life free from shame, free from guilt. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me today? Will you just say, that's me. I wanna give my life to him today. That's the best decision you could ever make in your life. And whether you're in this room right now or whether you're watching online, I want us all to say this together. You can put your hands down, but just say, dear Jesus, according to your word, I believe in my heart that you are the son of God. And I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I ask you right now, come into my life. Forgive me when I haven't pleased you. From this day forward, I receive your mercy. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love and I receive your grace. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen and amen. Come on and just rejoice this morning. You can rejoice louder than that. I love it. I hope you know that that grace is available to you every single day this week. So no matter what you face, you have the ability to overcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarnum. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, you can visit us at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. Thanks for listening.